0: Good morning, today's scripture reading is Matthew 28, 1-10, you can find it in your bulletin. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guard trembled and became like dead man. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciple that he has risen from the dead and behold he's going before you to Galilee there you will see him see i have told you so they quickly departed so departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciple and behold jesus met them and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the words of the Lord.
1: Wow, good morning to all of you. We've uh, heard a lot today, and we're going we're gonna to use these next few minutes to talk about this amazing story of the resurrection of Christ as recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. All of you children, we are so glad uh, that you are here because we want to talk to all of you about how do we respond to this Easter story. You know, over the last uh, year or two, it's been really um, exciting to me to see the, the coming back of the launches of spacecraft from Cape Canaveral. Uh, real excited about all the SpaceX launches. It just seems like every couple of weeks there's another another rocket going going off, and it's just so fun, whether day or night. Well, there's one launch that I am especially looking forward to. That's going to be happening this coming fall. It's a SpaceX launch. It is the first launch going out into orbit with an entirely civilian crew. But there is one person who will be on this SpaceX launch that I want to introduce to you. You may not have heard her name just yet, but her name will be famous this fall. Her name is Haley Arsenault. She will be not only a civilian, but she will be the youngest person to orbit the Earth, at least the youngest American person to orbit the Earth, she will be the first cancer survivor to go out into outer space. As a cancer survivor, she had childhood cancer, pediatric cancer. She will be the first person with an artificial limb, a prosthetic device, to go into orbit. She will be the youngest. And it is, it is really going to be amazing. She works for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And this will be this, this whole thing is a benefit for St. Jude's. There's this billionaire guy that's paid for this launch. And she is going to have the opportunity to go into outer space. And it's going to be historic. And one of the reasons that she wants to do that is she wants to deliver a message to other children who are facing childhood disease. People at places like St. Jude's. She wants to be able to go out there and represent them as the first survivor of childhood cancer to orbit the Earth. And again, with an artificial limb. And it's gonna be an amazing thing. And I heard an interview with her, uh, oh, about a month or so ago, I heard an interview with Haley Arsenault, and one of the first questions that she was asked is that she was asked about something that is called she was called the overview effect, the overview effect. Now what the overview effect is, is that almost everyone who goes into outer space and they look down on the earth, it changes how they view the world. It changes how they view everything. So, that, so Haley Arsenault was asked that question, what, what will it be like for you to have this overview effect where it just changes her view of everything when she looks down on the world. She's going to experience that. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ also is something that changes everything. When we come to understand the meaning of Easter and the resurrection of Christ, we experience an overview effect of our own. When you come to see the resurrection, when you listen to its message, and when you believe it, you experience an overview effect. It changes everything. In fact, the resurrection of Christ already has changed everything. For example, it changed our calendar from B.C., before Christ, to A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. It changed that. The resurrection of Christ changed something else, it set Jesus Christ apart from every religious leader and every person that has ever lived. Because in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 it says that the resurrection of Christ has declared him to be the Son of God, and the word for declared in the original Greek means that he was horizoned to be the Son of God. He was horizon, that resurrection is the horizon that sets him apart from every other human being. There has never been anyone like Jesus because his tomb is empty because he has risen from the dead. One more thing, one more sense in which the resurrection has changed things for all of history and for the whole world Acts chapter 17 tells the story of the Apostle Paul, one of the first missionaries of the gospel who himself saw the risen Christ. But it tells the story of Paul going to to Athens, Greece to proclaim the gospel in the marketplace. And these were people that were secularists. They were skeptics. And Paul said to them that God has furnished proof to all people by raising Christ from the dead. So the resurrection of Christ changes everything because it stands as God's proof to the skeptic. And I know what that's like. I, I know that myself, the years that I was a skeptic, and so the resurrection stands as proof. So this passage that we just read, Matthew 28, 1 through 10, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you three, three words from this passage that will help you know how to respond to the resurrection of Christ. So all you children here this morning, I want you to remember these three words. The first word is see, the second word is listen, and the third word is believe. How do we respond to the resurrection of Christ? First we see, and then we listen, and then we believe. So let's talk about what this passage is about when it comes to seeing. One of the words that recurs in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, you'll see in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So one of the things that Matthew wants all of us to experience as we look at this passage is he wants us to see this story. The word see comes up over and over again. Look at verse 6. The angel said to the women, he is not here for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. I want you to think about how you and I can see things because you might wonder, well, Mike, those words where they are invited to see the empty tomb, those were given to people that were there. They were firsthand eyewitnesses So, how do we get to see the resurrection of Christ? How does that change us? I want you to think about some of the ways that we see things today. There are certain events that are non-recurring events, but how do we know that they're true? How do we see what happened? Well, this is 2021. One of the ways that we get to see stuff is we can see stuff on video, on YouTube, or on Zoom from anywhere around the world, and we can witness something even though we are not there, and we can verify that it happened, we can see it. So just this morning, Molly and I had the opportunity to watch our granddaughter, Rosie, be baptized at Church of the Resurrection on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Our, our daughter and our son-in-law sent us a link and this morning, while we were getting ready for our Easter service, getting ready to come, we got to watch Rosie be baptized. But we weren't there, but we got to see it. So in the in in this in our time, that's one of the ways that we can see. But what if you're back in the nineteenth century? How did how did people get to see things back then? How did they verify the reality of something? How could it be described to them? You know what they had in the eighteen hundreds and the 17, 16, 1500s, it was paintings. One of my favorite paintings is a painting at the Louvre Art Gallery in Paris. It's the painting of Napoleon Bonaparte and his coronation. The Pope is crowning him. It's got this crowd of people. The painting was made in 1807. So we can actually visualize something. We can see something, a non-recurring event, even though we were not there because we can, see, we can see it in a painting. So throughout history, people wanted to, to verify events, and in certain centuries, they could do it through painting because they didn't have Zoom, they did not have YouTube. So you go all the way back to the first century. You go back to the ancient world. How did they verify whether something was true? How could people see things? And what it was through written testimony. It was through eye I- witness, testimony. So the apostles, writing in Second Peter, Peter could say, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we spoke to you about the coming of Jesus Christ, for we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So in the ancient world, the way that you could see things, the way that you could paint a picture, was through testimony, through eyewitness testimony. Testimony. We still use that today. If you watch a trial, all that goes on, it's through eyewitness testimony, and you can picture it, you can see it, you can verify it, so you and I can come and see. Now, there are several things that Matthew wants us to see in this passage. One of the things he describes is an earthquake. You've got these two women, you've got an empty tomb, you've got an earthquake, and then he describes this angel that was there. The angel had this, 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 he was bright like lightning. And it says this was the appearance of the angel and he looked like lightning there. And then it says the guards at the tomb, the Roman guards had fallen down as dead men, which was really ironic because Christ was supposed to be dead, but the people that were guarding him fell down as dead men while Christ was risen and Christ was alive. But those are things that Matthew wants us to see about the resurrection. He wants us to be able to verify it. The whole thing of eyewitness testimony, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the interesting thing about the ancient world, and this is why we can trust what we see, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that there were 500 eyewitnesses to the appearance of Christ. And it said most of them are still alive today. So even Matthew's account If the opponents of Christianity had wanted to refute it, they could have have refuted it because they were still alive. But I witness testimony so that we could trust it, so that we ourselves could see it. When Molly and I a couple years ago visited Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, one of the things we saw was something called the Holocaust Museum. The Holocaust Museum. The Holocaust is the term for the killing of six million Jews before and during World War II. It was called the Holocaust. Now, why did they have a Holocaust museum? Because there were deniers. There would be deniers of the Holocaust. And so you had to collect eyewitness testimony. You had to collect photographs. You had to have evidence so that for all of history, you would know that the Holocaust occurred. It's called the Holocaust Museum. What we see in Matthew chapter 28 and the other gospel accounts and the rest of the New Testament, but for today, for this morning in Matthew 28, what we see, not the Holocaust Museum, but we see Matthew's Resurrection Museum. We are walking through it. As Molly and I went through that Holocaust Museum and we were so moved by those events, We are seeing in Matthew today, Matthew is saying, I want you to see something. I want you to verify something. I want you to see these events that occurred. This is my resurrection museum. And it's not a, the Holocaust is a museum of death. It is a museum of man's inhumanity to man. Matthew's resurrection museum is a, is a museum of life. He wants to let you know that that tomb is empty and that Christ is alive. It is a museum of life. You can tour it, you can observe it, you can see it, you can witness, witness it. So that's the first thing, to see. The first way you respond is you need to see it. You need to investigate it. If you are a skeptic this morning, online or in here today, investigate it, research it, look at the eyewitness testimony, find out what happened. You can trust that Christ rose from the dead. God has furnished proof to all people by rising Christ from the dead. You can see it. The second thing that we need to do though, the second way we need to respond is not just see it because there are people who see it but they don't understand why it happened. They don't understand the message. So the second word is to listen the second way that you respond is to listen. Now why do we why do we use the word listen? Well, what happens here is there is an angel that comes and it says that angel was bright like lightning and it calls us attention calls attention to the fact that you and I need to listen to this angel. So if you go to verse 5 it says but the angel said to the women first of all do not be afraid. So listen to the angel. We need to, why do we need to listen to the angel? Because the angel is explaining what these things mean. You can see it, but you need to now listen to the message of the angel. What's the first thing he says? He says, do not be afraid. That's the first thing the angel said. And a a quote for you that I think is really key at this time, because you were listening to Chandler share her story. You heard, you heard about Chandler sitting in that church service and goes, yeah, I knew my friend was talking about me. And so as you think about following Christ, as you think about believing in Christ, you may have some fears. And so Jesus said in this passage, do not, or the angel said, do not be afraid. Listen to this. The message of the resurrection cannot be heard where there is fear. So one of the things that you want to do as you listen to this message is you're going to be tempted to fear. You're going to think about, what would happen to my life if I did what Chandler did, if I crossed that line, if I believed in Christ? What would happen if I would believe in Christ? And you might have fears. And so the angel says, do not be afraid, because our fears can be based upon misunderstanding. A few weeks ago, our granddaughter Lucy was visiting uh, with us, with her family, Lucy is um, Lucy's about almost four years old, and so Lucy was going to come to Splash, and her, her mother, Amy, had reserved a, a place in Splash for Lucy to come, and Sunday morning we said, Lucy, you get to go to Splash. And now in our mind, we're thinking Splash is the funnest thing in the world. What kid would not want to go to Splash? But Lucy gets this fearful look in her face. She says, I don't, I don't know if I want to go. And she's kind of running from us, not wanting to come and go to Splash. We can't believe it. And then I realized that Lucy is thinking that if she comes to Splash, she's going to get splashed, And she's got all this fear inside of her. And so she can't hear the good news about Splash, about something amazing she's going to get to do. There are a lot of adults like Lucy out there. There are a lot of people that have misconceptions about Christianity and they, and they think they're thinking one thing but no it's something different. So you need to banish fear. The angel said do not be afraid but there's a second thing the angel said. He's The angel said you have come here to find Jesus the crucified one. Now what is the angel saying there? Very simple description of Jesus. The word Jesus was used by Matthew in chapter 1, when the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So part of what's going on in the resurrection is it's the resurrection of the crucified one, the resurrection resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so you've been to this resurrection museum, but what does it all mean? It means number one, put aside your fears. Number two, believe that the reason Christ came was that rescue operation, that restoration operation, that redemption operation, because we live in an awfully broken world as evidenced by the Holocaust, as evidenced by all the stuff we see in our world today, as evidenced by what's in our own hearts, And the reason Jesus came, very specific reason, he came to save us by dying on the cross. That's the second thing we need to listen to from the angel. First of all, don't be afraid. Banish those fears. Don't be like Lucy. Go ahead and come to Splash. Number two, believe that the reason Jesus was crucified was that he died for your sins. And then there's the third thing. There's the third thing: is an empty tomb. But the angel wants to say, "There's something else that's going on, and that is G- he is risen. He is not here. Christ is risen. That's what we've been saying all day today. That's the explanation for the empty tomb. Christ is risen. What does that mean? Christ is riven- risen means it is proof that Jesus Christ died for our sins; that God accepted that, and it is proof of victory over death. It is proof. That one day, those who believe in Christ will be transformed and resurrected by him and will live forever. And it is proof, as Mark said earlier, that because Christ is living, that by your spirit, he can live inside your life and he can give you peace, he can give you pardon for your sins, he can give you purpose, and he can give you power to live in life. That's what the resurrection means to us. So we need to not only see But we also need to listen. We need to listen. We need to understand what the message of Easter really is. But there's one more thing, there's one more thing here in this story that we can take away. They're all here. Number one, we need to see. Number two, we need to listen. But number three, we need to believe. We need to believe. Now, one of the things that we see when these women are sent off is that they run into the risen Christ. It says that they have joy in their heart. One of the evidences of their faith is that they have joy in their heart. There is, there is those of you that think about crossing the line and becoming a Christian, you might be wondering, well, what, what kind of emotion should I expect from that? One of the things I would say to you is don't rely upon emotions or feelings. What you see, what you hear, it is true. You can believe it. But when you believe it, one of the results of that is several emotions that happen to you, and one of those is joy. I remember when I was in college, and I realized what it meant to truly be a Christian. I remember sitting on this, I said we had a dorm room with bunk beds, and I was sitting at that top bunk bed, and there was joy, because I, I said to myself, I'm a Christian. I am forgiven for my sins. I am a child of God. There is joy. And that's what happens. That is one of the, uh, the expressions of the faith of these women as they've got this joy. And then they go to see Jesus, and something interesting happens. Did you notice this? When Christ appeared to them, what they did was they fell on their knees, and they grabbed his feet, and it says they worshipped him. They grabbed his feet, and they worshipped him. And that is the most powerful expression of what it means to believe in Christ. So one of the things you notice is that faith is only as valid as its objects. So they're believing accurately about Jesus. Number one, they're believing in his full humanity. Jesus Christ became a man. God became a man in Christ. He stays a man forever. They believed in his full humanity, even with his risen body. He even, there's an article in the New York Times this morning. He even had his wounds. They believed in his full humanity, but even... Beyond that, it says that they worshiped him, so they believed in his deity. They believed that Jesus was God become man. In the temptation story, Jesus said, you shall worship God and him only shall you serve, but now Jesus is accepting worship. So listen to this. If you believe in Christ, what it means is you're not just believing in him as a good teacher. You're not just believing in him as an idea or a great influence. You're believing in him as the God-man, God becoming man and that's, that's the object of our faith. Faith is as only, as only as valid as its object. But then it says they grab their feet. And that's a great illustration of our faith because Christ has done it all. He has died for our sins. He has risen from the dead. He has done it all. All we can do is receive that by faith. So what is faith? What is faith? What does it mean to believe in Christ? Faith does involve... Knowledge of something. That's seeing. Faith does involve listening, in other words, it's understanding the importance of what you've seen. But then thirdly, faith involves trust. It involves, as Chad and, and Chandler talked about, crossing line, trusting in Christ. I'll give you a good illustration today. Right now the vaccines are becoming available. Molly and I got the, the two the two shot Pfizer vaccine a while back, and so we're good to go, a little bit older than some of you here. So here's a question for you. Do you believe, do you believe in the vaccine? Now, think about what that question means, because it doesn't mean, do you believe it exists? We know the vaccine exists, and we know that Christ existed. We've seen it, the Museum of Life. Believing is more than intellectual assent. Believing is, in the vaccine would be, would you take the vaccine? That's how you demonstrate faith in the vaccine. So faith in Christ means, would you believe in him? Would you trust him for your salvation, for your eternal destiny? Not just intellectual assent, but trust him with your life. I love what Martin Luther said about this idea, this verse that they grabbed Jesus' feet and they worshiped him. Martin Luther said, take hold of him and cling to him with all your heart. By the way, one last thing about this, because some of you, as you think about crossing the line and believing in Christ, I love what Chandler said. She said, I heard about religion, but it it didn't change my life. Now, why is that? Because religion, if it's the kind of religion that says you need to earn your salvation, none of us would feel worthy. So we have in this passage in Matthew 28, These words to Jesus, what he says to the women, she says, Jesus said, go tell my brothers. Not the disciples, go tell my brothers. These are the guys that denied, Peter denied Jesus three times. They deserted him at the cross. And so if this morning you feel like, man, I am not worthy, That is precisely what makes you a candidate for believing in Christ. None of us are worthy, and that's why it is such good news that when you put your faith in him, you grab him by the feet, you recognize that he is both God and man, and that he died for your sins, and you trust him for your eternal destiny. You take that step. You cross the line. It's worth it. It's worth it. That's that's saving faith. That's why we would do that. One last thought I'll give to you. I remember that there was an Easter late in my high school years because, as I said earlier, I was not raised in a church home. I was not raised to believe in Christ. And so I had this question, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I'm a Christian? You know what, you know what promise really helped me? It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. In other words, if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, if you confess, say the same thing, believe that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I held on to that verse, and I believed in Christ, And I had that promise, you shall be saved. And so I announced to all of you this morning, this is the good news, this is the gospel, this is the resurrection, to see it, to listen to the meaning of it, and to place your faith in Christ. You know, um, yes, Haley Arsenault, is going to have this chance to be lifted off in a SpaceX rocket. She's going to be a part of those, those orbits around the Earth. And a lot of, my, a lot of us might be, man, I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be like Haley and orbit the Earth. And all those children back at St. At Joseph's Hospital, they're going to be wishing they could be part of it. She's going to be that eyewitness testimony of that sort of that overview effect that it just changes everything for her. But I want to let all of you know that when it comes to believing in Christ, seeing, listening, believing, that is for everyone. And if you believe in Christ, if you cross that line and trust in him, the Bible promise promises that just as surely as Christ rose from the dead, that you yourself one day will be bodily raised from the dead. And you think the vaccine is great because it it is going to save some lives the resurrection is that much greater it is the it is the overview effect that changes everything it is the cure for our sins and it will give all of us a resurrection body as we believe in Jesus Christ would you pray with me Lord, it really is incredible that we can use the word Lord, that we can be like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and we can talk to you as they did. We can call you Lord because you were alive, because you are here. And I pray at this moment for anyone here who has never put their faith in Christ that they would be able to. Right now at this moment, say, I believe that Christ is the Son of God, and I believe in my heart in the resurrection. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name, amen.